for read a passage of scripture that we're going to talk about tonight, just an atmosphere of worship while you're still standing. I felt like the Lord, he didn't put a specific, uh, specific word or a specific theme uh, on my heart for tonight, but, but a specific story in scripture, a passage. And so I want to read this passage for us. It's a very popular story out of the gospel of Luke. Here's what God's word says in Luke chapter 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him, and he said, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. And all the people, they saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus, he stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him back four times that amount. Jesus said to him, he said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. And this is the last verse. I love the words of Jesus here. He said, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The son of man came to seek and save the lost. Tonight I want to, for a few moments that we have, dig into this word and this passage and see what God would say to us. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray and then we'll get into his word. Jesus, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to worship you, the God of miracles. And Lord, I pray that tonight would be a night of miracles. Lord, there's people in here that need you. There's people in here that feel distant from you. Lord, tonight I pray that you would do a miracle in their heart, do a miracle in their mind and their life. Lord, I pray that in these moments we wouldn't just hear a sermon, we would hear from you. Would your word speak to our hearts and we would leave here changed forever. And everybody said, everybody said, amen. 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 You can take a seat. I thank Pastor Trevor and Pastor Eric and the worship team. Aren't they awesome? The story of Zacchaeus. Has anybody heard this story before? The story of Zacchaeus? If I were to give... Tonight, a title, the title of my message for those that are taking notes. Do we have anybody taking notes out there? Let me see your hand. Just wave at me if you're taking notes. Yeah. Note takers are history makers. Come on, take some notes, somebody. Make it happen. (laughs) I I really hope you're excited to to be here and to hear the word because I'm very excited to preach the word. Is anybody with me tonight? If you're with me, say yeah. There you go. Come on. Tonight, the title of my message is More Than I Expected. Look at your neighbor. Say, More Than I Expected. Life is full of expectations, right? We, we expect things, and oftentimes expectations do not get met. Has this happened to anyone? Anyone lived a few days? <laughs> Sometimes expectations are not met, and it's a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing, right? When you order a 12-count nugget at Chick-fil-A, and there's 13. Favor ain't fair. Has this happened to anybody? Y'all need to pray more. Unexpected. Life is full of expectations, and... Oftentimes, we don't get what we expect, and I think in this passage of Scripture, uh, this character, Zacchaeus, he got something different than he was expecting. 
He got something different than he was expecting. He was expecting one thing, but something totally changed. Zacchaeus got more than he expected. I love how this passage begins. It begins with Jesus, and he's traveling on the road, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem. This is not just a random trip. This is not an insignificant time in the life of Jesus. He's on his way to Jerusalem where he's going to be welcomed as king. They're going to welcome him. They're going to say, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. He's going to be welcomed as king. This is a big moment. Jesus is on his way eventually to the cross. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. And the scripture says that he enters through Jericho. He goes through Jericho in order to get to Jerusalem. And many scholars, when they discuss this verse, say it's interesting that Jesus chose to go through Jericho because there are many routes he could have taken. There was many routes Jesus could have gone, many towns he could have traveled through, yet he goes through Jericho. And from the text, we see Jesus has no reason to go to Jericho. There was no significant reason for him to pass through this town except for the fact he was going to meet Zacchaeus. Jesus goes through this town, he takes this detour, he goes this route for no significant reason other than to meet with someone that was lost. This is a pattern we see all throughout the scriptures. In John chapter 4, Jesus goes the long way to go through Samaria to meet a woman that's broken. In the gospel of Mark, Jesus goes to an island, he makes this whole separate trip just to set free a guy that was demon-possessed, and then he goes back. His routes were not always efficient. They were not always the best routes. But Jesus often took the detour. Jesus often went through cities and took journeys strictly to meet lost people. I love that it shows the heart of our God that our God is not distracted by people. Our God is not, he doesn't put off greater purposes or greater tasks to meet with hurting people. But God's great and perfect tasks are people. God's heart is towards lost people. And Jesus, he goes through Jericho. And the scripture says in Jericho, there's this man and his name is Zacchaeus. And I love the Bible. The Bible just goes straight at it. It says he was short. (laughs) Any short people say, what's up? Yeah. (laughs) Begins to tell us a little bit about Zacchaeus. The scripture says he was a chief tax collector. Tax collectors then... (laughs) and now, are not well-liked. They're they're not people that uh, others get excited about. They don't look upon them very favorably. Especially in that time, the the Jewish people, they were under oppression to Rome. And so they had to pay Rome taxes. And so on top of not liking to have to pay taxes, a tax collector in that day was not only someone that took your money, they were also someone that symbolized oppression. They were a picture, a symbol of the fact that the Jews were under oppression to Rome. So tax collectors weren't the people that people smiled at or gave high fives around town. They they weren't excited to see them. And Zacchaeus, he wasn't just any tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. He was the ringleader. He was the boss. He was the guy who who ran the region. And how tax collectors made their money was they, they lied and stole from people. So if you owed $50 of taxes... They would tell you that you owed 100 and they would keep the rest for themselves. They made their living, they made their way by being dishonest and by stealing. And the scripture says that Zacchaeus was this guy. Not only was he this guy, he was the head guy. And it said he was wealthy. In other words, he stole a lot from a lot of people. 
This was not a good guy. This was not a guy people would have voted for around town. This was it's not a nice guy, not a good guy. And the scriptures say that he was short, and many scholars believe because he was so short and because of the nature of his job, he would have had to be extremely tough, extremely rough, very harsh, very firm, very angry, because he was in the, in the business of getting money from people and stealing, and someone that small, he had to have been angry. He was an angry elf. So this is Zacchaeus. This is the guy no one likes. Everyone around town knows him. Later in the story, we see people look at him and say, man, that's that sinner. That's that guy. That's that thug, that crook, that thief, that liar. That's him. He was the one everyone hated. He was the one everyone despised. He was the one no one invited over. He was the guy no one wanted to hang out with, yet Jesus loved him. Did you know the people that me and you hate, God loves? The people that the world despises, God loves. I love the heart of God towards people that other people don't like. And I pray we can just for a moment get the eyes and the heart of God to not see people how we want to see them, but to see them how God sees them. So we know Zacchaeus, he's a thief, a a crook, a criminal, a thug, hated around town, yet for some reason... In verse 3, the scripture says that he wanted to see Jesus. Maybe he had overheard some conversations. Maybe he had heard some rumors about Jesus, some miracles he had done, some things Jesus was doing. And something in his heart just wanted to see him. We don't know why, but we know that there was some curiosity in the heart of this evil, wicked man to see who Jesus was. And I think that's very true of most of us today I think there's a a longing, a desire in our heart to want to know who Jesus is, yeah? I think everyone has this desire, this longing in their heart that says, man, there's there's something greater to this life. There's someone greater out there. There's there's, there's a Savior that, that our hearts long for. Maybe you're in here tonight and you've, you may have grown up in the church, but you've been out of the church for a while and you kind of just stumbled in here. You're coming every now and then, and maybe you're here because you have that longing. You want, you, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus really? And Zacchaeus was wondering that. Zacchaeus was questioning, who, who is Jesus? So much so he wanted to see him. But there was two problems Zacchaeus had. Zacchaeus, problem number one, the scripture says he was short. So there was something about him that was hindering him from getting to Jesus. He had something about himself, something about Zacchaeus was stopping Zacchaeus from getting to Jesus. I wonder today how many of us have some things about ourselves, maybe some insecurities, maybe some hurts, maybe some fears, maybe some things in our own life that we let stop us from seeing Jesus. That we let get in our way of us seeing Jesus. Zacchaeus had one excuse and that was he was short. It was a legitimate excuse. It was true. It was something about him. He couldn't see Jesus because of it. And the second excuse Zacchaeus had was there was a crowd in front of him. So the first excuse had to do with him. The next, the next excuse had to do with his surroundings. Man, there's people around me. There's a crowd. And because of the crowd, because of the situation, I cannot see God. And I think this can also be true of our lives. Not only do we have things about ourselves that might hinder us from 
getting more of God, but I think some of us are in situations that may make it difficult for us to see Jesus. Some of our homes maybe are not places where it's easy to serve God. Maybe some of our workplaces are, are not easy places for us to serve God. Maybe the hand that you've been dealt in life, your situation, your, your surroundings, maybe that's hindering you from seeing Jesus more clearly. Zacchaeus definitely had excuses. He had something about himself and something about his situation that were very true and very legitimate that stopped him from seeing Jesus. He had two excuses. But I love that Zacchaeus didn't make excuses to not see Jesus. Did you hear me tonight? I love that Zacchaeus didn't make excuses to not see Jesus. I love that Zacchaeus, in spite of of what was true about himself and despite what was true of his surroundings, said, I'm going to see Jesus. Are you allowing your excuses in your life tonight to stop you from getting more of God? Are you allowing your excuses to stop you from getting more of God? What I love about Zacchaeus is he didn't allow his excuses to stop him from getting to Jesus, yet he used his excuses as a springboard to go after Jesus all the more. He used what was wrong about himself and his surroundings to say, I'm going to go after Jesus with more passion and more power now. Are we allowing our excuses to stop us from getting more of Jesus? Some of us may have very legitimate excuses. We may have very legitimate difficulties that make it hard for us to see God. But could it be tonight that the very thing in your life that you're making excuses about could be the situation that God wants to use in your life to develop a greater perseverance and passion in your heart towards Him? Could it be that the very situation you're in, the things that make it difficult for you to see God, could it be that God wants to use that to develop a greater passion in your heart and in your life for Him? Seeing Jesus more clearly might just be right on the other side of your excuses. I want to be a church and a people that say, I'm not going to make excuses about myself. I'm not going to make excuses about my surroundings. I'm going to get to Jesus. I'm going to get to Jesus no matter what it takes. I'm going to get to Jesus no matter how difficult it's going to be. I won't settle. I won't stop. I'm getting to Jesus. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, don't make excuses. Man, I think Zacchaeus was at a point where he was just desperate. He was desperate. And here's how I know that. Because it's a grown man that is rich climbing a tree. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's socially acceptable, kind of, for like a seven-year-old to climb a tree. But a grown, wealthy man in the midst of a crowd swinging from branches. Like, like this, this guy looked ridiculous. This was crazy. This was not the social norm. Zacchaeus was desperate. He was desperate to see Jesus. So desperate he was willing to look ridiculous. So desperate he was willing to maybe lay down some pride. Maybe to look crazy. He was desperate to see Jesus. Because here's what I know about being desperate. When you're desperate, you get determined. When you're desperate for something, you get determined to make it happen. And Zacchaeus, he was so desperate, we don't know why, but there was something in his heart. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted more of him. And because of that, he said, I don't care what it takes. I don't care how it looks. I'm going to see Jesus. And I wonder tonight, are you desperate for him? Man, we're desperate for so many things, but are you desperate for more of God?
Are you willing to look ridiculous? Are you willing to make sacrifices? Are you willing to do what no one else is doing? Say what no one else is saying? Be who no one else is being just to get more of God? Man, we we need to be a desperate people. We We need to pray this prayer, God, make me desperate. Lord, some days I don't feel desperate, but Lord, make me desperate for more of you. I want to have a whatever-it-takes attitude. I want to have a whatever-it-takes determination to get more of God. Because when we're desperate, we're determined to make it happen. I love every Wednesday morning, this morning at 7 o'clock in this room, a group of people come together for one hour and pray for this church and this community and the cause of Jesus around the world. And they do that because they're desperate for more of Him. Man, they're desperate. They're so desperate. They say, man, I'll get up. I'll, I'll, I'll cost myself some sleep maybe. I'll, I'll do maybe what other people aren't doing. I'll show up in the morning early and pray because I'm desperate for more of God. Man, we need to pray, God, make us desperate. God, make me desperate. God, give me, give me a whatever it takes spirit. Give me a whatever it takes determination to get to you. I'm not going to let excuses stop me. I'm not going to let myself Things about myself stop me. Things about my circumstance stop me. I'm going to get to you no matter what it takes. No matter what it takes. So Zacchaeus, he climbs the tree, the scripture says, and, and he's climbing, and it says in verse 5 that Jesus, he reached the spot. He was coming for Zacchaeus. Isn't it funny? Zacchaeus was trying to get to Jesus, but Jesus was actually coming for Zacchaeus. Jesus, he, he reaches the spot, he, he's there. I'm sure Zacchaeus just wanted to lay eyes on him, but he gets up there and Jesus comes towards him. It reminds me of the scripture in James that says, come near to God and he will come near to you. It, it appeared Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus, but what was really happening was Jesus was coming for Zacchaeus. I heard one pastor say, he said, take any one step towards Jesus and you will realize he has already taken 1,000 steps towards you. Take any one step towards God, make any move towards God, and in that moment you'll realize that God has been pursuing you even greater. God is pursuing you more than you're pursuing him. Zacchaeus climbs the tree just to lay eyes on Jesus, and when he gets there, Jesus approaches him. Jesus came through Jericho for him. Jesus comes up to the tree to address him. It was Jesus pursuing Zacchaeus. The scripture says, come near to God and he'll come near to you. Come near to you. And I love that Jesus, he looks up at Zacchaeus and they've had no former interaction. They did not know each other. They not hung out before. Yet Jesus, he comes up to Zacchaeus and he calls him by name says, Zacchaeus, do you know God knows your name? Do you know we have a God that knows our name? This is good news. Did you hear me tonight? God knows your name. And here's what's ironic about this. The name Zacchaeus, that name means pure one. And this is funny because that's not true. This dude was terrible. It was acknowledged by him and the people of the town and his reputation. This guy was not a pure one. Yet Jesus looks at him and he doesn't call him by his mistakes. He doesn't call him by his failures. He doesn't label him with his past. He looks at him and he calls him by his name. 
calls him pure one. Do you know Satan, he, he knows your name, but he'll label you by your sin. Jesus, he knows your sin, but he'll call you by name. Jesus knew everything about Zacchaeus. He knew his brokenness. He knew his mistakes. He knew his sins. Yet he didn't put that label on him. He saw what was going to be. He saw what he was making Zacchaeus into. And he didn't label him by his mistakes, but he called him by name. He said, pure one. Do you know if you're in Christ tonight, Jesus, he doesn't call you by your mistakes. He doesn't call you by the things you've done. You are not your thoughts. You are not your past. You are not your wounds or your brokenness. You are the righteousness of God because of what Jesus has done. Jesus looks at you when he calls you by name. He calls you by name. Anybody thankful tonight? Our God knows our name. Our God calls us by name. Looks at Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, I, I must stay at your house today. <laughs> Anybody have a friend that invites themselves over? <laughs> you got to love those people, right? Like, yeah, as long as you bring food. <laughs> Jesus, he says, Zacchaeus, I, I must come to your house today. The literal translation of what Jesus said was he looked at Zacchaeus and he says, it is necessary that I come over. <laughs> Some of y'all need to use this on your friends this week. <laughs> Jesus looks at him, picture this. He goes, it is necessary that I come to your house. It is necessary that me and you meet. It is necessary that we talk. It is necessary that I come to your house. What Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus is very simple and very frank. Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, you need me. You need me. Zacchaeus, there's things that you can't do that I can do. There's things you're not capable of doing that I'm capable of doing. He looks at Zacchaeus in his brokenness and in his sin, and he says, Zacchaeus, you need me. And God is saying to you tonight, with all the love and the grace in his heart, he says, you need him. You need God tonight. Did you know that? You need God. There's things God can do that you can't. There's things that God is capable of that we are not capable of. Our culture and our world is so self-sufficient, isn't it? It says you look out for you, you take care of you. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 you can't. You need me. You need me. Maybe some of our next steps in getting more of God in our life is us getting to a point where we say, God, I need you. God, it is necessary that you get involved in my life. God, it is necessary that you get involved in my family. God, it's necessary you get involved in my thoughts, that you get involved in my work. We need to get to a place where we're broken before God. Where we say, God, I don't have enough strength. God, I don't have enough faith. God, I don't have enough courage. God, I don't have enough hope in myself. I don't have enough peace. I need you. And did you know when you cry out to God like that, he will respond? I've always said that we are at our best when we're broken. When you're broken before God saying, I cannot do it, I cannot try enough, I cannot be enough, I cannot muster up enough faith, I can't do it, God, I need you. That's when you're at your best. That's when God comes in and says, in your weakness, I'll be strong. Where you lack, I'll fill. God, I need you. I need you. It's necessary that you're involved, God. It's necessary that you help. It's necessary that you get involved in the details of my life. And he looks at Zacchaeus and 
says it's necessary that I get involved. And maybe some of you need to hear that today. Maybe you're, you're trying really hard in your own strength and in your flesh and in your own power. And maybe you came here tonight just to hear God say, hey, you need me. You need me. You can try on your own all day, but you need God. You need God to do what you cannot do. You need a moment of holy surrender. You need a moment of brokenness where you say, God, I cannot do it. I need you to do it. And Jesus tells that to Zacchaeus. He says, you, you need me. You need me. You need me. And he tells Zacchaeus to come down from the tree. And I love that Zacchaeus responds instantly. And the Bible says, at once he came down. I love this picture of instant obedience. Somebody say instant. Say instant. I love that as soon as Jesus said something, Zacchaeus did it. Instant obedience. You know there's power in instant obedience? We live in a world of instant, don't we? If you want information, boom. Everything's instant. Like, like there's no crockpots. It's all microwaves now. Come on, somebody. Like, it's just, we like things quick. We like things fast. We like results in our world. We like to do things instantly. We like to get things instantly. But yet, when it comes to obeying God, many of us like to delay. There's some things that God has put on your heart and asked some of you to do that you've delayed doing. There's some things that the Spirit of God is prompting you to do. There's this person you know you need to talk to. There's this thing you know you need to do, but you've delayed doing it. And maybe tonight you need to obey what God is calling you to do right now. Why put off later what God is asking you to do right now? Love that Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down. And instantly, Zacchaeus, he comes down. And between verses 7 and verse 8 is where most people believe this is where Zacchaeus and Jesus hung out at his house. The, the scripture does not talk about what they did at all. The scripture skips that whole part of the story. We, we know that Jesus went to his house, but we don't know if they had a meal together. We don't know how long they hung out. We don't know what was said. We don't know what was done. We, we don't know what happened. But we know between verses 7 and verse 8 is when all of that took place. Jesus and Zacchaeus hang out. They talk. There's some sort of discussion. We don't know what it is, but they're hanging out together. And right after they do, the scriptures tell us that Zacchaeus, apparently what happened was significant, Zacchaeus who made a great living on stealing from people and lying and looking out for himself and being greedy, what Zacchaeus does immediately after spending time with Jesus, the scripture says he sells half of his possessions. Okay, so the guy's rich, he's got a lot. He sells half. Half are gone now, so he's only left with the other half. And then it says, everyone he stole from, which would have been a massive amount of people, much of the town, a gigantic percentage, this is the chief tax collector who was wealthy, it says every person that he stole from, he paid them back. And he not only paid them back, but he paid them four times the amount he took. Okay, thinking about this and doing the math, Zacchaeus now has nothing. Half is sold, and now he gives back everything he took times four. Well, what, what happened in that meeting? What, what was said? What was done? 
whatever happened, we see one thing very clearly, that it's impossible to really experience Jesus and not be changed. Did you hear me? It's impossible to clearly see who Jesus is and, and what he's about and not be different. It's impossible to experience Jesus and go to work the same. It's impossible to experience Jesus and think the same. It's impossible to experience Jesus and talk the same. It's impossible to see Jesus and treat your spouse the same. When we experience Jesus, stuff changes. Something shifted. Who knows if Zacchaeus had tried to get help before or tried to be morally good before. Obviously, it didn't work, but one meeting with Jesus and something had changed. Something had shifted. Zacchaeus has now changed. Something's different about him. And I would propose to you that if nothing has changed, then we might not be really going after the God of the Bible. If, if we, we claim to love Jesus and nothing has changed, it might not be the Jesus of the Bible we really love. Because Zacchaeus, the, the worst of the worst, the biggest, baddest, something changed. There was transformation. Something changed because of Jesus. And so I, I want to I finish with this because we're going to spend some time in prayer. But you, you, you see this whole story. Evil guy terrible guy, liar, thief, crook. He's got some desire in him to see Jesus, but Jesus had a greater desire to see him. Jesus comes out of his way. Jesus comes up to him. They meet. We don't know what happened, but then this guy has changed, and now he's, now he's living right. And so I see this, and I'm asking myself, what is this story really about? I asked the, the team, Pastor Trevor and the guys, to come back. I'm like, what is, what is this story about? Like, what, what's the main I, idea here? Is, is this about, like, a really bad guy that's now good? Like, there was a lot of evil taking place, and now there's a lot of goodness. Let's all be excited. Listen, this, please do not be deceived. This story is not about a bad man becoming a good man. This story is not about a mean guy becoming a nice guy. This story is not about a greedy guy becoming a generous guy. This is not about poor people becoming rich, nice, mean people becoming nice, bad people becoming good. This story is not about any of that. Jesus actually tells us what it's about in verse 10. He says, the son of man, talking about himself, I, I came to seek and save the lost. So he came to seek. Who is he seeking? Well, if if Jesus needed to come seek us, that means he's seeking after people that needed to be sought. People that were lost. People that could not find their way on their own. People that had not enough power and not enough strength. He said, I came to seek people that needed to be sought and saved. People that needed saving. People that couldn't save themselves. People that had dug a hole too deep for them to climb out of. Of course, what he's talking about is people like me and you that because of our sin are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. This story about Zacchaeus is is not about 
a mean guy becoming nice. It's about a dead man becoming alive in Christ. It's about a grace that had never been seen or never been talked about before reaching out to someone that was broken and hurting and redeeming his life. It's not about good morals. It's not about better behavior. It's about dead in our sin to alive in Christ. And only Jesus can do that. That's why he says, Zacchaeus, it's necessary that I get involved. Zacchaeus, you can't forgive yourself. You can't save yourself. It's necessary that I get involved. And you know, I, I, I've been wondering, as, as I've been studying this this week, what Jesus said to him. Like, what, what did he say that made Zacchaeus get it? What did Zacchaeus say to Jesus? How did that conversation go? And again, we don't know. The text doesn't describe it. But as I was studying this, there, there, there's a lot of information about the tree that Zacchaeus climbed. He climbed up this tree, and the scripture doesn't just call it any tree. It says it's a sycamore tree. And so I began to look into what this tree was and the significance of a sycamore tree. And, and something I read a lot, something that was often mentioned about this tree was the bark that it has. And I, I have a picture right here. We can see what it looks like. It's the kind of scaly, flaky bark that when, when the bark dies, it just kind of like peels off. Has anybody ever seen this before? You've seen this? Like, it's so fun as kids, you kind of peel it off. So, like, you can peel it off, or when it dies, when it's dead, it falls off. And underneath the dead bark, underneath the dead scales, the outer layer, is the new, fresh, strong, healthy tree. So here's Zacchaeus in his own effort trying to get to Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 come down. Come down. He goes to his house, and Zacchaeus is in his house. Austin, come on up and help me, buddy. He's sitting in Zacchaeus' house, and they're talking, and they're having dialogue. And I'm sure Zacchaeus maybe is talking about some things he's done. Maybe Jesus brings him up. <laughs> you can sit right here, bro. Maybe he brings, hey, Zacchaeus, like, you, you, you remember that time you lied? Zacchaeus, there was this one time where you, you stole stuff. And just like the dead layers of bark begin to come off the tree, just like when you pull off the old and the new is revealed, I, I think Jesus sat down with Zacchaeus and was like, hey, there's some times you were angry, but, but it's okay. I'm going to peel off the old and I'm going to bring the new. Hey, hey, Zacchaeus, there was some times you failed, but, but, but that's okay. I'm peeling off the old and I'm making you new again. Z Zacchaeus, you worry about some things, but I'm going to peel off the old and I'm going to make you new again. There's some pride in your heart, Zacchaeus, but I'm going to forgive you of that. I'm going to humble you and I'm going to I'm going to make you new. Zacchaeus, you stole some things, but I'm going to redeem that. Zacchaeus, you've been greedy, but I'm going to give you a generous heart. Zacchaeus, you've been hurt, but I'm going, to, I'm going to heal you. Zacchaeus, you've been broken. I'm going to make you whole. Zacchaeus, you were lost, but I'm going to make you found. Zacchaeus, there's been shame, but I'm going to give you joy. There's been fear, but I'm going to give you faith. There's been doubt. I'm going to give you faith. And he reveals a fresh slate, a, a clean slate, a a healthy start. It reminds me of Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, the, the old is gone. It's been peeled off. The new has come. Thanks, baby. The new has come. The new is revealed. 
Please don't misinterpret this story. This isn't about a bad guy becoming good. This is about Zacchaeus who was broken and who needed saving. And Jesus in his grace began to peel off the old. Began to forgive, began to restore and make Zacchaeus whole again. See, Zacchaeus got more than he was expecting. He got way more than he was expecting. Zacchaeus climbed a tree to see Jesus without knowing that Jesus would die on a tree to save him. Zacchaeus climbed a tree just to lay eyes on God without realizing Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem to climb another tree and die to save him. He said, Zacchaeus, get down from that tree. I'm going to go to one for you. You don't have to climb the tree to see me. I'm going to die on a tree to save you. This is the God we serve. This is the good news of the gospel that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And just like he did it for Zacchaeus, he wants to do it in my life and in your life. Amen. Hey, would you stand with me all over this room tonight? I want to just pose a simple question to you tonight, and that is, and that is this. Are there maybe some, some layers of bark on your life that you just need Jesus to kind of peel off tonight? Are there some maybe things in your life, some hurts, some brokenness, some sin, where you say, man, I, I can't do it on my own. I, I need to be broken before the Lord and confess that I need him and ask Jesus to just do that for you ask Jesus to do that for you I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes I want to pray and then I'm going to invite the prayer team those of you that are ready to pray with people to come on up I think just like Jesus did for Zacchaeus at his home he wants to do for us tonight he wants to help us he's He's telling you right now, he's saying, man, it's necessary that I get involved. It's necessary that that you invite me in. It's necessary that you get my help because you can't do it on your own. So tonight I came here to just encourage you, man, let's not make excuses. Let's not allow the things in our life to stop us. Let's push past those and let Jesus do a work that only he can do. Let's push past those and ask Jesus to heal what only he can heal. Amen. If that's you, you say, man, I want prayer. I want Jesus to do this. Let's come up. Come on, come to the front. Come on, let's go. Let's move. Let's take one step towards Jesus tonight, and he'll take a thousand towards you. Let's take one step towards, towards acknowledging we need God. It's necessary that he gets involved, and he'll move towards us. As I pray, I want you to come. We got people that want to pray with you and agree with you tonight as Pastor Trevor sings. Lord, we love you tonight, God. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you that just as you sought Zacchaeus, you seek us tonight. Lord, for those of us that are in here tonight, Lord, we need you. We acknowledge it's necessary you get involved. Lord, forgive us. Forgive myself of making excuses to not see you clearly, to not give more of you. God, forgive us of making excuses, Lord, and give us the faith to move past our excuses, past our circumstance, and to seek you with all of our heart tonight. Lord, just like you did for Zacchaeus, God, would you peel back the old? God, would you, would you peel off the blinders on our eyes that help that stop us from seeing you? 
God, would you do it tonight in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Come on, if you need prayer, come up.